Thank you for subscribing to the Parkway Fellowship Podcast. Parkway Fellowship, commonly referred to as The Park, is a purpose-driven church in Katy, Texas, recognized for its innovation and rapid growth. Designed for the person who might not be used to attending church, The Park, one of the only purpose-driven churches in the area, has quickly become one of the most popular West Houston churches for people new to their faith, to church, or to living in the Katy area. It is our prayer that God changes your life through this message from Pastor Ryan Locksville. All right. Listen to that engine purr. I don't mean to brag, but I got 17 horsepower on this thing. Woo! All right. This thing's got almost as much power as my lawnmower. I think I'd have taken this thing to the Sturgis Motorcycle Rally this year. Hey, welcome. My name is Ryan Locksville. I'm the small groups pastor here at Parkway Fellowship. And I got to say, I feel pretty cool right now. Not leather pants cool like Adam's had the last couple of weeks. Like whatever's right below leather pants cool, I think I'm at that level right now. Though Adam didn't tattoo his arms for this message. So I think he's kind of a lightweight if you ask me. Hey, uh, <laughs> so uh, this morning we're going to continue with our idol worship series. Okay, and what we've been talking about in this series is how to go full throttle in our worship and not just stay idling. And we're going to um, ask ourselves a question this morning, a really honest question. Am I a true worshiper? Or am I just a wannabe worshiper? Like a wannabe biker riding a scooter. So um, when I was in grad school in Denver, Colorado, I uh, played on a softball team. And it was uh, a bunch of guys from our church. And we played on the softball team. But we weren't in like a church league. We were in a city league. And so we got to play against teams with names like Free Beer, the Mullet Mafia, and the Beer View Mirrors. So honestly, I think about 75% of the teams we played had the word beer in their name. Um, And our team name was Hope Church. So that was just funny to see the the matchups. But the thing about our team was that uh, we were really good. Uh, We actually ended up winning first place uh, in this series. But we, we weren't like really serious. We just happen to have a bunch of guys on our team who grew up playing baseball um, through high school. And then a couple of them actually had played through college. And so we were just really good, but we weren't like that serious. We were just having a lot of fun out there. But um, I can remember one game where we played a team that was very serious about softball. You know, when they walked up, they had their matching polyester professional jerseys with their names stitched on the back. Um, they had their $500 bats. They, uh, <laughs> that's right. Um, they had actually eye black and sunglasses, some of them, at a night game. So that was cool. Um, and that, honestly, that was just their gear. I mean, if their gear told me they were serious, their behavior proved the point. I mean, they were constantly arguing with the umpire, okay? They were cussing in front of kids watching the game. Um, they acted like a walk was as good as a hit. But everybody knows it's not because it's softball. Um, they, and and I, the, the highlight of the game, I have to say, though, was in one inning when the pitcher and catcher of that team got in a fist fight with each other in the middle of the inning. I mean, it was, it was crazy. And they were so mad that we were having so much fun and just crushing them. I mean, it destroyed them. And, I mean, look, they were out there for all the wrong reasons. Um, the bottom line, they were a bunch of wannabes. I mean, they were a bunch of wannabes. They're acting like it was game seven of the World Series. They're going to make that happen on the softball field. Um, 
you know, th- we do this in our spiritual lives as well. You know, sometimes we think we're at a certain depth. We think that we're at a certain place, and we're not. I mean, we're just not. We're not even close. You know, even if we take all the things Pastor Adam has talked about the last couple of weeks, fantastic things, even if we take those seriously, you know, we get here on time to worship, we, we, we sing, um, we look for other ways with the other 111 hours of our week, and we try to worship through giving and serving and all those things, even if we do all of those things, the risk of being a wannabe worshiper is still there. Because those things, as great as they are, and they are a fantastic start, those things in and of themselves can just be a routine. They can become a habit. That, it can't end there. That's the starting place. And here's the danger. If these things are just a habit, if they're just a ritual, part of our routine, our hearts will not be in it. Our hearts will not be in worship. There'll be just another thing, another box that we're trying to check. Okay, I got to be on time. Okay, I got to worship, got to sing loud, got to give, all those things. We'll be acting like we're doing something that we're actually not. Like a, bike, a wannabe biker riding a scooter or a uh, wannabe baseball player on the softball field thinking he's at Fenway Park. Okay, we'll be stuck idling. That's the danger. You know, there's a group of people in the Bible that Jesus interacted with a lot. They're called the Pharisees, and they were like this. They were religious leaders, and they, um, they, they did all the right things. They were at worship. They probably sang the loudest. They gave. Um, they helped the poor. They did all of these things. You know what Jesus called them? He called them whitewashed tombs. And what that meant was something very beautiful and elaborate on the outside and dead on the inside. You see, God cares about what's on the inside. I mean, no one in here believes I'm a real biker or that these are real tattoos. I mean, you can buy these things at Party City. So I'll just go ahead and shed those for the rest of the message if that's okay. But look, in the same way, if we go through the motions with our worship and our heart isn't in it, it is obvious to God. It's obvious to God if our heart isn't in it. He wants true worship based on a real relationship with him. He loves us. He wants our hearts. So this morning, we're going to look at a story about Jesus. It's this unusual encounter that he has where he talks specifically about worship. And what he says is revolutionary. I mean, it absolutely is the antidote to idling in our worship. So pull out your message notes. Let's get started. We are going to look at uh, a story of Jesus talking to uh, the woman at the well. It's in John chapter 4. It's kind of a long story, so I didn't print the whole thing in your message notes. I'm just going to kind of tell it to you, paraphrase it, and then we'll look at the last part of it together, which is actually printed in your notes. So here's what's happening. Jesus, in his ministry, would travel around. And he had his disciples with him. He would travel from place to place and preach and teach. In this story, he's going from Galilee, which is in the north part of Israel, down to Jerusalem, which is in the south part of Israel. And on the way, he passes through an area called Samaria. Samaria is the place where Samaritans came from. I'm sure you've heard the good Samaritan, that phrase. Samaritans came from Samaria. That's where Jesus is. Now, he stops for uh, water in a village. Okay, it's about noon. It's hot outside. They've been traveling. So he stops for water, and he meets a woman at this well. And look, there had been hundreds of years of hostility, hostility between Jews and Samaritans. So it's remarkable he was even in this town in the first place. 
Um, the tension between Samaritans and Jews was kind of like what we see today with Israelis and Palestinians. There are all these disputes over land. In fact, most people going from Galilee down to Jerusalem went way out of their way to avoid Samaria. But Jesus had a really important message for this woman. And so he went right in there. Um, so in the course of his conversation with her, uh, he asks her some questions and he tells her some things about her life that he could not possibly know. And so she realizes that this guy she's talking to is no ordinary man. And that is where our story picks up as it's printed in your notes. So let me read the rest. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you're a prophet. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus declared, believe me, woman, a time is coming when you will worship the father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers, I want you to circle that, true worshipers. The true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. Circle spirit and truth. They'll worship the Father in spirit and truth for, and I want you to underline the rest of the sentence, they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. They are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. You see, God is interested in true worshipers. So how can I be a true worshiper? Here's your first fill-in. Engage with the person of God in worship. Engage with the person of God in worship. That's what this whole encounter with the woman at the well is about. Look back at verse 20. She says, our fathers worshiped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. You see, we know historically that the Samaritans worshiped in one place on this one mountain and Jews worshiped on another. And she wants to know, where should I worship? And really, in that, she wants to know when. Like, okay, where do I worship? When? How do I do this thing? Jesus is about to blow her mind. Because look, she's asking a where question. But Jesus uh, said that the answer wasn't where, or when, but who? His answer is who? You see, she had this very narrow, low uh, view of worship. It was all about routine. Where do I worship? When do I worship? How do I worship? But it was routine. It was dead. Jesus was ushering in a new era in which people would worship in spirit and truth through him in a relationship with him. Look back at verse 21. Jesus declared, believe me, woman, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You see, it was not about place and time. The Samaritan mountain, the Jerusalem temple uh, on that mountain, neither of those places were big enough. Neither of them were big enough. The worship God wants is way bigger and way more personal than that. You see, as the last verse says in this passage, God is spirit. Okay? His Holy Spirit is everywhere. And the Bible teaches us that the Holy Spirit actually lives in Christ followers. And by the way, the Holy Spirit is a person. He's a person. It's, 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 I think often we get into this thinking of the Holy Spirit's kind of this impersonal force, right? The Holy Spirit, it's kind of this ghost or something like that. But it is theology 101 that the Holy Spirit is a person who loves us. In fact, I had a seminary professor threaten to flunk me in theology 101 if I ever referred to the Holy Spirit as an it. Holy Spirit's a he. You see, God wants a real relationship with us all the time. He doesn't want routine. 
You know, that's what he was saying to the woman at the well. That's what Jesus was saying. He was kicking down the walls of her limited ideas of what worship is. It's not a routine. It's authentic worship of a God who loves her. Now, look, I know that this message is a little bit more conceptual than the last couple of weeks. But it's so important because worship is not just routine. It's not just the habits. It's not just practical tips. Those things are fantastic, and they are the foundation of getting this thing started. But that isn't all of it. It's about knowing God as a person. It's about having our hearts in it. You know, if you're wondering why your worship hasn't gone deeper, you need to engage your heart with the person of God who loves you. So how can you move from routine worshiping to worshiping God in spirit and truth? Here's one thing you can do. It's your next fill-in. Make a why I worship list. A why I worship list. Uh, I did it this week. It didn't take that long. It'll probably take you less than 10 minutes. Um, But it is a very easy, practical way to to help engage your heart with God when you worship. Let Let me read these to you. Why I worship. I worship God because of the family that he allowed me to be born into. I worship God because he saved me when I was four years old. I worship God because he protected me from all the other ways I could have gone when I was young. I worship God because of um, the amazing wife he led me to in Ashley. I worship God because he came after me when I was lost. I worship God because of his unbelievable grace. I worship God because he is powerful. I worship God because he is the truth. I worship God because he's with me no matter what. And I worship God because when I look up at the sky and I see all these stars, and I think about the person who created all those stars, I remember that he loved me specifically enough to send his son, Jesus, to die and pay the penalty for my sins. You know, and on that note, maybe uh, for you, you're kind of new to this whole idea of God. Maybe, maybe you're not really from a church background. Maybe you're visiting today for the first time and you've still got a lot of questions. Let me tell you the message of scripture. Let me tell you what God has done in our world. God created the world and everything in it, created this entire universe. And the thing he created that he loved the most was us. And he created us to have a perfect relationship with him. But unfortunately, sin came into the world and put distance between us. Sin is just mistakes we made that separate us from a perfect and holy God. But he didn't want it to stay that way. He wanted us to be able to have a relationship with him. So he came up with a solution. He sent his one and only son, his son, who he loved more than any of us could ever imagine, to this earth. And that son, Jesus, lived a perfect life and died on the cross to pay the penalty for all of my sins and all of yours of your sins. And in that, he has extended to us the offer of a relationship with him to bridge that gap and bring us back together. All you've got to do to have a relationship with God is to accept Jesus Christ into your heart as your Lord and Savior. And scripture says, uh, tells us over and over that if you do that, he promises to save you, to come into your life. I mean, it is an unbelievable offer he's made to us. He loves you so much. So I encourage you, uh, there's a prayer at the, on the back of your notes at the bottom. If you've never prayed a prayer like that before, man, I encourage you to do it today. Those words aren't magic, 
But if you mean it with your heart, you pray those words, God will save you. And so I encourage you to do that today. Folks, that's the gospel, the good news, that God loves us, and he wants a real relationship with us. And that's the basis of our worship, the person of God, the fact that he sacrificed himself for all of us, that he lives in our hearts for Christ followers. You know, making a why I worship list, um, it helps remind you why you worship. It helps you to engage with the person of God by reminding yourself how much he loves you. It also reveals the limitations that you've put on your worship. I mean, that was Jesus' message to the woman at the well, and it's his message to you. Another thing you can do to worship in spirit and truth, here's your next fill-in, cultivate a sense of awe about God. Cultivate a sense of awe about God. So in addition to engaging your heart with the person of God, with a God who loves you, Cultivate a sense of awe about God. Now, I got to say, it's hard to be wowed today. It, I mean, it just is. We live in a culture uh, where everything's at such a high level. At HD, everything, CGI in our movies and TVs, iPhones, everything at our fingertips. We just expect everything to be at a high level all the time. And so not many things wow us. I mean, even the word awesome, awesome, has basically lost all of its meaning in our language. So how can you cultivate a sense of awe when we live in a culture where we're not really wowed very easily? The first thing you can do, it's your next fill-in, is get to know God's word. Get to know God's word. And look, I know that's a predictable fill-in. We say it all the time, but it is absolutely essential. That's why we say it all the time, is it's critical. You've got to know the truth about who you worship. I mean, Jesus called the woman at the well out on this. Look back at verse 22. He says, You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know. For salvation is from the Jews. Now what he's talking about there is we know from history that the Samaritans only read the first five books of the Bible. That's it. They ignored the rest of it. And Jesus was saying, you are missing out on so much of who I am. Because you're ignoring all the rest of this. The Bible says so many unbelievable things about God. That will help cultivate that sense of awe. Which will fuel your worship. I mean, the Bible tells us that God literally spoke the universe into existence with words. Scripture tells us God sees all of time as one. I mean, that's just like makes my head pop to even think about. Scripture tells us that God knows exactly how many hairs are on your head right now. Do you have that big of a picture of who God is? Look, a great place to start. You want a good place to start? The Psalms. Let's look at just a couple. They're really short, but you'll get the idea. Psalm 24, 1 to 5. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. For he founded it upon the seas and established it upon the waters. Who may ascend the hill of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to an idol or swear by what is false. He will receive blessing from the Lord and vindication from God, his Savior. Man, that is awesome. Let's look at another one. Psalm 93, 1 to 4. The Lord reigns. He is robed in majesty. The Lord is robed in majesty and he's armed with strength. The world is firmly established. It cannot be moved. Your throne was established long ago. You are from all eternity. 
The seas have lifted up, O Lord. The seas have lifted up their voice. The seas have lifted up their pounding waves. Mightier than the thunder of the great waters. Mightier than the breakers of the sea. The Lord on high is mighty. Gosh, that is awesome. And that's just the Psalms. I mean, there are tons of other Psalms like this. Um, and that's to say nothing of the rest of the Bible. You want to cultivate a sense of awe, start reading the Bible. Start with Psalms. Okay, there's another thing you can do to cultivate a sense of awe. Here's your fill-in. Give God credit. Give God credit. And what I'm talking about is give God credit for the incredible things you see in this world. I mean, we're so easy to find another explanation for things um, or just to kind of, okay, that's interesting. But these are moments where you can really give God credit and say, you know, God, you are awesome. You know, this happened for me recently um, when I found out that I was going to be a dad. Uh, my wife, Ashley, and I went in for her first uh, doctor's appointment. And, uh, you know, I assumed it was pretty early on in the pregnancy. I, I assumed that we would just kind of, you know, answer some questions, maybe get a couple prescriptions, that kind of thing. Um, I didn't think anything else was going to happen. And then the doctor's telling us about all this stuff and just casually mentions an ultrasound. And, you know, I just sort of excitedly blurted out, we're going to do an ultrasound? And she laughed at me and I said, yeah. And she said, yeah, we're going to do one. And I said, oh, that is so cool. So... Um, we walked down the hall and we walked into a dark little uh, ultrasound room. And uh, what happened just overwhelmed me. I uh, heard this incredible, strong little heartbeat. Um, and it just, it just moved me. It, um, it overwhelmed me. And uh, I thought to myself, oh, God, you are so amazing. Thank you, Lord. I mean, I, I just had this acute sense of God's power and creativity. And uh, those are the moments that you've got to leverage to cultivate your sense of awe about who God is. You know, we've all had those moments. You know, you look up at the sky. When you get out of town, you see all those stars. Um, maybe you stand at the edge of a canyon or, or you've been, been to the top of a mountain. And you look out and you see that view and you're just like, oh. God, you are unbelievable. You've got to leverage those moments where you see a little bit more of God. And you and just say something simple to yourself. Get in the habit. God, you are amazing. Thank you, Lord. Leverage those moments. They really will help you cultivate a sense of awe about who God is, which will help you be a true worshiper and not just a wannabe. So look, to be a true worshiper, it's to engage your heart in worship. To engage with the person of God who loves you. And it's to have that sense of awe about who God is. That was the message Jesus gave to the woman at the well. He's not looking for wannabe worshipers. He's not. He's not looking at appearances. He's looking at the inside. Now, in a second, we're going to worship. I want this place to be full of our voices. I want to honestly drown out the band with our worshipers. Because we all know we sound better than them anyway. So we're going to worship together, okay? Now here's how it's going to happen. We're going to play a couple of slow songs at first like we usually do. During that time, we're going to have members of our prayer team down here in front. If, if uh, you would like prayer about something, we'd love to pray with you. Feel free to come forward. We're also going to be serving the Lord's Supper on either side of the stage. Uh, uh, if you want to participate in that, if you're a Christ follower as a part of your worship, um, just uh, get in line on one of the sides. And as you walk forward, someone will hand you a piece of bread. Um, you can dip it in the cup. Now, uh, everyone pull out your connection card. Let's look at some next steps.
Pull out your connection card. Hold it right next to your message notes. I want you to check the next step or steps you're willing to take on both the card and the notes because you're going to turn that card in, but you're going to take the notes home so you can remember what, you, uh, what next steps you took. Okay, how about this first one? This week, I will make a list of reasons why I worship God. This is a great way to start engaging your heart in worship. And it's simple. It shouldn't take you that long. This week, I'll make a list of reasons why I worship God. Okay, how about the second one? I will read Psalms 8, 24, 29, and 93 this week. These are four psalms that are fairly short. They all have to do with how unbelievable God is. And they'll really help cultivate that sense of awe. And hopefully get you started on uh, reading more of the Bible and, and learning more about who God is from Scripture. So that, that's a great one. Number two. Okay, how about this third one? I will give God credit when I see something amazing in this world. It's a fantastic habit to get into. Uh, to cultivate that sense of awe. How about this next one? I will memorize... John 4.23, yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. How about this next one? I will come back next week for the conclusion of the idol worship series. Hey, y'all, come back next week. Pastor Adam's going to preach just a fantastic message to wrap up our series. You don't want to miss it, trust me. Um, So I encourage everybody, come back next week. And then how about this last one? I want to become a Christ follower for the first time today. Um, If you prayed that prayer earlier, um, or you're you're thinking about becoming a Christ follower, man, I strongly encourage you to. Uh, God will come into your life. Check that box. Uh, We'll send you some information. Also, there's some new believer packets on little tables on the inside of the worship center by the doors as you head out. Um, If you check that box, pick up one of those packets on your way out. It's got some resources inside that will help you on your new life Uh, with Christ. Now let me pray for us as Pat and the worship team come back up. Heavenly Father, we uh, thank you for this time together, God, and I just uh, pray that you would teach all of us um, uh, what it means to be a true worshiper. God, that you would help us to engage our hearts in worship um, with you, uh, and that you would deepen our relationship with you through it. God, I pray also that you would help us as we uh, cultivate that sense of awe and reverence about who you are, God, that we wouldn't be wannabe worshipers, that we would be true worshipers, that we would worship in spirit and truth, as Jesus said to the woman at the well. God, I pray you would teach all of us, and I pray over this time of worship now together. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. Our prayer is that God has given you at least one next step to take today in your walk with Christ. For more information about Parkway Fellowship or to contact us, visit www.parkwayfellowship.com. To talk with a pastor about becoming a Christ follower for the first time, you can call our offices at 832-222-9282.